Hey guys, you're listening to The Furrow, a podcast for Catholic men by Catholic men. On today's show, we continue our conversation on the art of living and the need for cultivating faithful men. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Furrow, a podcast for Catholic men where we discuss timely and relevant topics about our faith, family, and fatherhood. I'm joined today by my trusty sidekicks, Cameron Davis and Father Robert McTeague. Gentlemen, how are things going since we last met? Uh, where I am, it is damp. Um, we're not in the full uh, <laughs> full receiving end of, uh, of Hurricane Florence, but it is so damp where I am that I couldn't light the candles for Mass yesterday because oh the gosh. matchbox was too moist. It couldn't strike the match. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That's it. Wow. Now, now there's so humid, you- and then there's you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so you guys are not expecting to get anything, uh, any of Florence up there, are you? Or, or kind well, of no, we'll, no, 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 we'll get we'll get rain. I mean, we're not going to get destructive yeah. winds. We're not expecting flooding. Uh, happily, I'm living on top of a hill, uh, but it's it's a big old <laughs> building that's prone to leaks. Oh gosh! Wow, Cameron, what about you, my friend? How's everything going? Uh, it's God has an interesting way of placing challenges in your life when you least expect it, and it's. You know, relying on him and having the faith, as we'll get into more to today, I'm having the faith to trust him that he will see you through. And the the line that's been echoing through my mind the past couple of days is, you are for us, you are not against us. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Mm. Wow. Amen. So, for those of you who are, uh, are kind of just joining us now in this uh, in this conversation, or for those of you who are brand new listeners to uh, to the Furrow and just tuning in, in, in our last episode we started a new series of conversations based on the writings of philosopher Dietrich von Hildebrand, uh, which we're calling, and as his book implies, the Art of Living. Uh, now, in our first episode, very briefly, we reflected on how our culture has lost its sense of reverence for life and being in general, and how a properly ordered sense of reverence uh, ultimately translates to our reverence and worship of God. And consequently, the next virtue to go hand in hand with reverence is what what Hildebrand calls faithfulness, or as he describes as the constant man. Uh, Now, guys, I have to say, that uh, this particular chapter, uh, as I as I made way, my way through it, I found it a bit dense. You know, not not only you know did it did it really force me to stretch my mind, my intellectual capacity, but it really allowed me to see the prophetic undertones of Hildebrand's work and and the reason and gave me uh, just lit that fire even more uh, of, and gave me more of a reason um, for why it is that we are we are um, engaging in this series of conversations. You know, if if and, and really. What blew me, what blows me away is really his understanding of, of man's nature. And really the example of how he lived his life is really truly a testament to what a true faithful man looks like. Uh, I know, Father, you had mentioned, um, you know, his, his wife Alice uh, wrote, a, wrote a biography, right, of, of him. And the title of that biography was um, The Heart of a Lion. The right? Soul of a Lion. The Soul of a Lion. Yeah, so I mean, and this this is a man literally who uh, I wouldn't say single handedly, but he, he it was there was there was no fear in this man to go against uh, Nazi Germany and, and Hitler. Um, 
uh, it, it, and I don't know, Father, you, you probably know more about uh, about Hildebrand than, and obviously have uh, has dived into his works more than I have. Um, well, I would recommend uh, to our listeners there is an anthology called uh, "My Struggle Against the Nazis," and and it's uh, part of it is a biographical and autobiographical essay about von Hildebrand at that time of his life, and then it's a collection of professional essays he wrote denouncing uh, Nazism throughout the 20s and, and 30s. Now, he he figured out Hitler and the Nazis early on in the game, as far back as as the 20s. Uh, and then what was really painful to see was that there are a lot of people who should have known better or who should have, as we say now, got woke uh, a long time <laughs> earlier in the process. Uh, some of them were academics, some of them were, were churchmen, and very many of them were, were disappointing. And what was admirable about von Hildebrand is that he not only believed, but his belief was integrated into every aspect of his life, and because of of his knowledge and love of God, and knowledge and love of human nature and his human neighbor, because of the love of God, that he was able to stand up and not just point fingers, but denounce accurately, denounce persuasively, and even denounce the Nazis at a terrible personal risk and cost. Mm. Wow. So there you have it, folks. I mean, this this is really the reason why we uh, are really are engaging in these conversations and these and reflecting on the work of this on the life work of this man, um, and and to get into the opening lines of uh, of this chapter on faithfulness. You know, Hildebrand he offers two definitions of of what a faithful man is. The first, he speaks of kind of the, a simpler understanding as fidelity to a friend or to one's spouse or perhaps even fidelity to one's country. I know the the Marines have have a motto, you know, semper fi, always faithful, right? But the definition of fidelity that I want to kind of single out just for a moment uh in this conversation is what Hildebrand refers to as the inner consistency of man's life. In other words, not the kind of man who vacillates, you know, between truths because they're modern or trendy, but instead the kind of man who holds firm to his convictions. And as it pertains to us as Catholic men, the truths and convictions of our faith to which we hold firm and, and which have been handed down to us. And, you know, and Hildebrand goes on to say that without this ability to remain steadfast in truth and in our convictions, we become men who possess no inner unity. We're just, like he says, we're just a collection of impressions and experiences moving from one thing to the next with no real depth. There's, in other words, there's, we're kind of like men who lack spiritual firmness. We're like quicksand that, that gives no resistance whatsoever. And I, I, what kind of immediately comes to mind is, uh, as I'm saying this, is thinking of, you know, the hookup culture. You know, where men are dominated by their lusts, you know, who are incapable of maintaining good relationships. They simply bounce from one thing to the next. And, and it's not simply physical, but also spiritual aspects, too, of, 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 uh, of our struggle. You know, I also think of the, the person who says, and I have friends and family who said, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual, but not religious, you know, so they, they search their entire lives, you know, for some fulfillment and try filling this God sized void. I mean, is that something that you all have encountered? Oh, well, I, um, I wrote a column a couple years back on, you know, the emptiness of the statement, you know, uh, 
I'm not religious, but but I, I am spiritual. I always <laughs> want to say, well, how do you know you're doing it right? And mm. and what does it cost you? And the those people who are not religious but spiritual, where are the great charitable institutions and works that are the great works of art, uh, on and on and on? Uh, you know, civilization really is an expression of, of the faith of, of the Catholic Church. That's the, that's the first uh, statement. Mm. The second is, you know, what would we be like if we didn't have have a skeleton? We'd 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 be this lump. We'd be this sack of nerve endings and appetites waiting to be tickled and fed. But what right. gives us structure, what gives us order, is the skeleton. So, if I understand von Hildebrand correctly. Faith is that that skeleton, that, that structure that allows us to to be upright, to be purposeful, mm. to be consistent, to act as a unified whole. You know, I, I tell my students, I say, look, if I smack a kid in the head, I don't say, oh, I wonder why the atoms of that arm did that. <laughs> I did that because I, I, ha- I have a, a soul that allows me to express uh, my, my values through the agency of my body. And the person who doesn't have structure, the person who doesn't have an organizing principle, it is the person who's just following whatever the current trend is. You know, Senator Chuck Schumer of New York, who, oh, who weeps <laughs> over the fascism of having secure borders and a wall. Look at the speeches he was saying in 2009. Oh, yeah. <laughs> about immigration and walls and borders. So and, completely you know, opposite. Yeah. And, and Bill and Hillary Clinton, who said, you know, all love counts and they're advocates of gay marriage. Look at his speech when he signed the Defense of Marriage Act. These are exactly. people who don't have faith. They don't have consistency. They don't have integrity. Yes, mm. you know, we all live our faith imperfectly. If you want to give a litany of the ways that I'm a hypocrite, I'll own that because I'm, I'm a sinner. But at least I know what I'm mm. sinning against when I sin. I know where I've fallen short. And that's because like, I, I believe faith is at work in my life in the way that Hildebrand described. And I think any honest man of integrity says, yes, I do fall short, but it hurts when I do. And I know what the standard is that I'm falling short of. Gosh, Father, man, you had just hit that on the head, Father. That is, that is fantastic. We can pretty much end the show here. No, but I mean, that, that, that That's was, my job. That no, was a perfect summary, I think, of the, I mean, from what I've, I've gathered, everything I've read uh, so far in this chapter. I mean, that is a beautiful summary. And, and I think also, Father, too, I mean, uh, the, the, even in the secular sphere, the, the examples you provided. But I think also, uh, in many ways, the things that are happening, even and we're witnessing even today in the church, you know, oddly enough, really is the fruit of, of the lack of genuinely faithful men. You know, really, according to Hildebrand's definition, you know, men who, uh, you know, men who, who, um, you know, who don't really see the world for what it is, you know, and they don't respond in the manner as you as you said before, Father, you know, in a manner that cultivates life, that gives life, that protects life, and who ultimately is willing to sacrifice no matter the cost. You know, and I don't mean this purely on a physical level, but also on an intellectual and a spiritual level as well. Um, is it, is it, you, I mean, you, obviously, you would agree with me on that. Yes, yes. Uh, and remember, uh, one of my favorite words to defend is the word sacrifice. 
You know, mm. I had a boss years ago who said, don't sacrifice for your children. You, you'll only resent them. Mm. And I said, that's a, that's a skewed version of sacri- sacrifice. It's this idea of, well, take what you really like and kill it because God enjoys that sort of thing. Well, what a mm. monstrous view of God. To, uh, right. Sacrifice from sacrum facere, to make holy, to do the holy thing. To make something holy is to set it aside exclusively for God's service. We always stand before God as absolute paupers. Even our own existence doesn't come from ourselves. And we can never reciprocate. You know, I could never be for my mentor in philosophy, Paul Weiss, what he was for me. But I can honor mm. his good example by paying it forward. And, and that's his, his legacy. Likewise, I can't reciprocate to God, but I can make a return. I can make a glad return by living a life worthy of my calling, by scooping up all that I have, which really is ultimately two loaves and a couple of fish, and say, put it to use, do with it what you will. Mm. Wow. I think it's important that you know when we when we acknowledge like you know Chuck Sumer, the Clintons and their and their you know uh, their flapjacking as it were from one instance <laughs> of what they would acknowledge as truth to the other, and I think it it ultimately goes back to what Hildebrand talked about in the previous chapter with reverence, right? It's reverence is acknowledging the truth that exists, right? And I think part of being faithful, and he kind of talks about this when he's talking about his two different type of. Um, unfaithful men, is that if there is in fact truth, we have to rest in that truth. And it, it it's comforting when we see that in society, but this man is demonized for being backwards and out with the times. There is a truth, there is absolute truth, there are things that are right and are wrong. And it's the man that rests in that truth that can have that inner consistency of soul mm. so that everything that he does in his life is rightly ordered from his proper understanding of the truth that exists. Without reverence, you can't have faithfulness. And without faithfulness, your reverence is skewed because you're not standing on anything. Just as you mentioned, Father, if the skeleton is our faithfulness, then our nervous central, our central nervous system is our reverence because it's what gives us the ability to acknowledge and experience everything in this world as it actually is. And as, as a gift and as an unmerited mm. gift. Amen. Amen. And, and yes. that means we're, we are radically and, and absolutely loved. Uh, mm. And, and that's, that's different from seeing ourselves as exclusively on the battlefield or exclusively in the jungle or exclusively in the marketplace. I am in the world that my father made. I am living in the moral context that my father made. Now, that involves a cross, and I don't like it, (laughs) but I know that he intends my good, and he provides everything I need to follow in the uh, blood-soaked footsteps of his son, to go to where my heart can only rest, the house of my Heavenly Father, where already a banquet is prepared for us. This is the moral drama that we're living, in, in which case, you know, screwing around with, with pot and the hookup culture and Grand Theft Auto number whatever they're at now, all of that yeah. becomes utterly uninteresting, mm. utterly uninteresting, absolutely vapid. Uh, 
there is a world to be won and there's my own soul to be conquered. And Hildebrand says God invites us to to live that drama and to be faithful into the end whenever the end comes. How could a sane man, a man worthy of the name, not want that? Mm. Wow. Mm. I mean, it, 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 to answer the question, right, it's, it's fear. It's a... No, it is fear, but it even goes back to reverence. It's not a complete understanding of who you are. If we go back to the devil's tactics that we talked about in spiritual warfare, is if we forget who we are, and we forget whose we are, we lack reverence as it pertains to ourself and God. Hmm. Which, it all drives to this. Yeah. What you described. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to kind of take our, our conversation a step further here. And, and we've kind of already, and Father, you've already kind of touched upon this. But, you know, Hildebrand says that the constancy or fidelity really in the true sense of the world as we see it is a fundamental moral attitude of man. And what he's trying to say here, and, and correct me if, I, if you think I'm wrong here, but faithfulness requires a moral response, an obligation to the people and the things around us. You know, the faithful man is the man who, as Hildebrand says, and, and Father, I think you said it in, in more uh, modern terms, who's morally woke. <laughs> uh, he's had his Kanye West moment. <laughs> uh, he, <he'll, laughs> he, he was red-pilled. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, but but this is the this is the guy who alone is reliable. He alone feels himself responsible for those things he's done in his life, and he alone is capable really of true contrition for the sins of his past. And you know, I think I think the perfect subjects to kind of illustrate this point that we've been kind of uh, uh dancing around here are precisely St. Peter and Judas. You know, St. Peter at the Last Supper, you know, he says uh, that he'll follow Jesus even unto death. And and while he betrays Christ soon after, he eventually sees the errors of his ways and he turns back. Uh, and you can see there that there's, there is a, a moral center, a, a spiritual firmness, if you will, a root that's taking a space up in Peter's heart that we don't see in Judas. And Judas, obviously, if we look at, at the person of Judas, who kind of stands as the epitome of the inconstant man, the unfaithful man, if you will, uh, we see that he's inwardly dead. You know, not only is he a traitor, but he is an unstable man, like, like really like the seed in the parable that falls on rocky ground. No faith is capable of taking root and let alone any kind of heroic faith where uh, where a spirit of magnanimity is required, uh, because ultimately true faithfulness is indispensable if we have any desire of achieving moral greatness, and that is applicable across the board. You know, as it relates to being a Catholic, a husband, a father, uh, or a priest. Um, so, so guys. I think it's really at this point safe to say that in today's society, and particularly among men, our, our culture has groomed us to believe that how we choose to live our lives really bears no weight uh, on our obligations to work, family, the church, to God. Uh, really, no wonder we have fewer men in our pews and in our confession lines, to be honest. Um, you know, it seems really that the spirit of, of the magnanimous man, uh, as Aristotle uh, spoke about, um, has all but really packed its bags and headed for the hills. So as Catholic men, you know, how can we begin to form ourselves uh, so that we can become the kind of faithful men that Hildebrand is referring to and that really our society greatly needs? 
Oh, uh, three points. First, the you know why is there a Saint Peter and not a Saint Judas? They both <laughs> betrayed Christ, right? Uh, you know, but one repented and one despaired. I, I tell people, I said, the saints are never are not those who've never sinned. The saints are those who never stop repenting, and this leads us to the the example of, of the root. Something good, something divine, took root, took hold of uh, St. Peter uh, in a way that that even his betrayal of Christ couldn't eradicate, couldn't Mm. kill. Uh, Somehow Judas withheld the deepest part of himself from Christ. So not only could sin get in, sin could take over. Uh, Mm. And and we all have to have an examination of, of our conscience and say, is there any area of my life that I'm withholding from Christ, either through shame or fear or pride or lust? Is there any area of my life that I'm withholding from Christ? And then I want to jump on the word magnanimity. It's Mm. the orientation of the soul towards greatness and readiness to strive to become great. And again, my hero, uh, Joseph Pieper, P-I-E-P-E-R. Oh, yes. In particular, his book, A Brief Reader of the Virtues of the Human Heart. Magnanimity is the virtue that cancels the vice, the deadly sin, achedia, A-C-E-D-I-A, unfortunately traded as sloth. Uh, Achedia is not just being a slacker. It's being a whiner. The moral life is hard. Being a man is hard. Quit it. And and then just, you know, complaining that the electric blanket only goes up to medium. You know. (laughs) What? Only a 72-inch screen? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember my password for Pornhub. Oh, I hate my life. That's oh my that's that's monstrous. That that's mm. uh, that's achedia. Magnanimity says, I have a destiny to achieve. I must live a life that is worthy of my calling. What a great adventure to know that I have a good reason to live and a good reason to die. And regardless of of our vocation, whether it's consecrated, religious, or or single. Uh, or or priesthood or or married life, we're we're all called to to be warriors and fathers and to be kings in whatever area of life we're in to give order and structure and purpose and then to lead by example. And one of the reasons von Hildebrand is uh, admirable is because he did lead by example, even willing to lead people who should have known better which you'll see more when you read his collection of essays in My Struggle Against Hitler. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, oftentimes I, I go back to something I heard Dave DiNuzzo say years ago in Orlando, is that, you know, live your life like St. Joseph lived his, right? And he said St. Joseph had a life worth following. Mm. And I think, and, and Brandon, you and I were kind of talking about this earlier, right? And it's, you know, part of the things that are so frustrating with much of what's happening within the church, right, is that we have these individuals that we hold in high esteem. You know, they, you know, they they command a certain reverence because of their station in life. Yet, I can't help but think how many souls are being led to the gates of hell because of these men's transgressions. Mm. And I think it's precisely the reason why Hildebrand and even why this topic is 
far more critical today than ever is that good men need to stand up and do something. We right. need to have, and it starts with us as husbands, it starts with us in the home, as priests, it starts in the confessional and in our, in our, in our parish, in the parish, not, not my parish, because I'm not a priest, but in our parishes that we serve, the communities that we serve. Because if we can't, you know, have that love, that greatness of soul about ourselves and how we conduct ourselves within our family, then we're going to do the exact same thing we would do in our family at work, mm-hmm. which is only going to perpetuate the issue that we have today. Right. It starts in the home. If we can have this greatness of soul, which I just love saying that because <laughs> it's, it's just so, it's, so encompassing of the truth, this greatness of soul and how we live our lives as husbands and fathers. And then this greatness of soul, how we live as men in the world. You know, you came to uh, not be of the world, but in the world, you know, leading men and women and children to the cross. And that's what we're called to do. And that's why it's so critically important today now than ever, this message that he has. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think ultimately what, what we're arriving at here when we talk about the need for cultivating more faithful men you know, is not simply about cultivating men of conviction, you know, as we've discussed so far, but, but men who also possess a genuine love for the other. You know, whether it's a, it's a spouse or a friend, uh, or, or even for the truth and goodness and beauty. Because I think in the end, what, what is fidelity without love? Uh, now, you know, and, I, and I'm referring here to fidelity now in, in the simple, in the simple definition that Hildebrand offers, you know, as, uh, but, but how can we be ultimately convinced about the truth, goodness and beauty of life, uh, of our Catholic faith, uh, our relationships with others and ultimately with God without love? You know, as, as Aquinas says, I believe he says that love is the root and the source from which all the virtues flow. You know, and unfortunately when I, uh, when we, when we think about love, what often comes to mind is this sappy, emotional, hyper-romanticized love that we see portrayed on television and movies. But what we're talking about here is a fidelity, a conviction that is grounded in a love that is other-centered. Uh, and I love, and I really love what Hildebrand uh, points out, uh, that without this basic attitude of fidelity, and I'm quoting him here, he says that no culture, no progress in knowledge, no community, and above all, no moral personality, no moral growth, no, substan- no substantial, inwardly unified spiritual life, no true love are possible. Um, so I think if, if we had to leave our listeners uh, with a bit of advice on really how to grow uh, uh, in, in our faithfulness to Christ and his church, to our family and our wives and our children, what, what could really be the, the key takeaway here? We have to look. You can't love what you don't know. Right. You can't love Christ if you don't know Him, and you can't know Him as Savior until you know yourself as a sinner. Mm. You know, we are all fearfully, wonderfully made, as I said in Psalm one thirty nine, and we all know we've shaken our fist in the face of, of a holy God, but. You know, here's the takeaway, very simple. It's from the, one of the first meditations from the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola. Place yourself mm. before the crucified Christ and mm. ask yourself, what have I done for Christ? What am I doing for Christ? What shall I do for Christ? Mm. Wow. Wow. Wonderful, gentlemen. Um, well, I, I think uh, I think this really... Uh, 
brings us to uh, to the conclusion here on, on uh, our our topic of, of faithfulness. But again, you know, I want to thank uh, my co-hosts Cameron and, and Father uh, McTague for joining me in this discussion, gentlemen. You know, these conversations wouldn't be as fun and enjoyable without you. And really, honestly, I am blessed to be on this journey with you. So I I, I can't say how much I appreciate you all um, uh, being with me on this journey. Um, but for those who are listening right now, you know, if you have any questions or feedback um, or any suggestions or topics you'd like to discuss in future podcast episodes, please send us an email uh, at the podcast at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter. Again, if you have any questions, please, uh, please let us know. Uh, and again, thanks so much for joining us. This is Brandon Duncan signing off until next time. God bless you, everybody. 